When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 238 called Alex and Madison. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by First Response. First Response is fervently committed to supporting, sharing, and empowering all pregnancy journeys. They're passionate about providing accurate information, especially to those struggling with infertility, the loss of a baby, and maternal health inequities. First Response knows that when testing for pregnancy, you want to be sure of your results. That's why they created Comfort Check, a pregnancy test kit that helps you test confidently and conveniently. The First Response Comfort Check Pregnancy Test Kit is a value pack containing eight total tests, three First Response Early Result Tests, and five first response pregnancy test strips, allowing women to test early and often for added reassurance. First response's early result test included in the comfort check kit is their number one best-selling pregnancy test. It detects all major forms of the pregnancy hormone commonly found in urine and is over 99% accurate from the day of your expected period with results ready to be read in just three minutes. The First Response Comfort Check Pregnancy Test Kit is available for purchase in-store and online. Be sure to pick one up today. Thanks, First Response. Okay, guys. So today we have such a cool story. I'm interviewing Alex, who you probably know as our beautiful surprise on Instagram. She actually told her full story on a podcast episode a couple of years ago, or about a year ago now. But today she is delving into the surrogacy part. So it's Alex and her surrogate and dear friend named Madison. So we're going to get both the intended parent and the surrogate angle on this aspect of their family building journey. So talking to both of them at the same time, their bond is palpable. It's a really cool story. So without further ado, this is Alex and Madison's infertility story. Hi, Madison and Alex. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. Starting with you, Alex, how did you guys meet? Yeah. So Madison and I were connected through an agency. And so I sought them out because we were looking for a surrogate to carry our second child. And Madison sought out the agency because she was interested in carrying a child for someone else. So we were matched through an agency for surrogacy. So we did not know each other before that. Okay. 
And Madison, tell me about how you got involved with the agency and like what your background is in the family building world. So, so far I've done two surrogacy journeys, but when I started, Alex was my first journey and I kind of did some research. Um, It actually started with an ad on, I think it was Facebook. I saw an ad and it said something about surrogacy. And I was like, that's so interesting. I thought it was really cool. And then I started thinking about it because I had a friend that had done it. And I asked her some questions about it. And I just became really interested. And so I did my research and I found an agency. And yeah, that's how I got connected with Alex. Okay. So what were the kind of rules if you were to join the agency and become a surrogate? What did they require of you? So you have to have had at least one healthy pregnancy. You have to meet all the health requirements. Like you have to be pretty healthy. You have to have a BMI of 30, I believe. You have to be financially stable. You have to have no like mental mental illnesses or anything like that. And I think those are the basic ones. Yeah, I think that there's a misconception about a lot of those requirements because people assume that, I mean, surrogates in the U.S. are most, at least in California, are paid and deserve to be paid. Mm -hmm. But I think even Madison saying the financially stable part is important because I think, and we'll get into this, but people don't go become surrogates purely for financial reasons. There has to be other reasons Mm -hmm. in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Madison, so, Madison can speak more to that. But yeah. So Madison, what would you say your your reasons were? So my reasons were I really wanted to help. I really wanted to help another family. I thought it would be really cool and special. My aunt is actually has um, struggled with infertility. And so I watched her go through that. And there was just a, a space in my heart where I really felt like I could really help someone. Also, where I was at that point in my life, um, I was a stay-at-home mom. I didn't really have much going on. And so I thought it would be really cool to do something while I was a stay-at-home mom. Also, you know, uh, the income definitely helped. um, But that wasn't the main reason. I really just thought it would be a really cool journey to do. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Alex, I'm sure you looked at lots of different matches and things like that. Did you, or, well, did you, I guess I could ask first. And what was it about Madison that brought you guys together? Like what made her stand yeah. out or was it a mutual decision? That's a great question because I think the matching process is also something people don't really understand. And I think yeah. it, it has severely changed. Okay. So tell it, yeah, tell us so, about, tell us everything about it. Yeah. So in 2019 is when we were going through it. And uh-huh. so this was pre-pandemic, just pre-pandemic when we started, but we were actually matched really quickly. I don't think from Madison's standpoint, maybe, but I think that Madison had been waiting a little longer, which now is the opposite where people will wait a really long time as an intended parent. But I think that at that time, there were actually more surrogates available. And I feel bad ever saying that to anyone because it's so hard to match now. Mm -hmm. Um, But so we had matched and the agency had actually sent us like a few, a few like matches, but they highly recommended Madison. And they just said like, based on, you know, your background and her background, we just feel like you guys are the perfect fit. And so basically what they did is like, 
they'll show me her profile and then they show Madison our profile because you filled out this super long thing with all this information, all this background information. And then if both of us feel like we both fit on paper, then we come together and had like a two hour in-person because we were both in person, but it can be on Zoom. But we had a two hour in-person meeting at the agency talking together. And that's where, I mean, I think both of us felt like this, but we immediately knew that it was the right fit because I was telling my story. Madison's crying because she can't believe what we've been through. And then Madison tells us why she wants to help a family. And I'm crying because I can't believe someone would do that for someone else. And it was just like, I felt like we immediately felt comfortable with each other and we immediately just had this trust. And we also were really aligned in certain things that I think are important. Like we wanted to communicate throughout the entire pregnancy. Originally, we wanted to be able to have me go to all the appointments and do all of these things. That did not happen because Madison ended up getting pregnant with our son in like March of 2020. Right. So April. And so there was no longer the option for us to actually see each other in person really at all. But we both had the intention going in that we were going to have a lot of communication and talk, like see each other. And, and I think that that was really important because not everybody wants the same level of communication. So we agreed on that. And Mm -hmm. I think that for me, there were other surrogates that are like, I don't want to talk to them at all. I just Mm want to basically have the baby and be done. And I didn't want that. So Mm -hmm. I liked that Madison wanted to stay in contact. And also we talked about how afterwards we would figure out exactly how much contact we were going to have, but we've obviously like stayed in contact after. And like, she's now across the country from us, but like I send her pictures of Dylan and Mm -hmm. like update her on things. And I just feel like we've fallen into a really good like relationship with it um, Mm -hmm. and friendship. And I, I think I, that's, really what I hoped for. And I think that's also what you hope for Madison as well. Yeah. <laughs> Madison, tell me about that first meeting from your perspective. What was Alex telling you that just really tugged at your heartstrings? So I think it was, it's, it was about like when you first meet somebody and you know, you, you feel their energy and all that stuff. Like when I met Alex and her husband, I just I could just tell that they were good people. Um, They had good hearts and their story just broke my heart. Um, But also it made me even more excited to start. I think that with the pandemic and everything, it was it was interesting because it was kind of hard to to make it work. But we really worked together to make sure that we did everything um, at a level where we were both comfortable. Um, like I would record and all that stuff. And, you know, we kept in contact and sometimes she would meet me outside of the doctor's office, which was nice. Um, cause we could talk and she could see the belly and everything. But yeah, I think that it was just the first meeting. The first meeting was really, it was really emotional because I couldn't believe that we were actually going to do it. And I knew as soon as I met her and her husband, I knew I was like, yes, these are the people that I want to do the journey with for sure. Oh, that's so and cool. I was really grateful for that because we felt the same way when we met Madison and her husband. Right. <laughs> I, felt like, if yeah. it's, if you're not both like that, it's like awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember afterwards, like after they approved it and they gave us contact information and you texted me. 
I was so excited because I was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm so excited that we both like decided we wanted to move forward. Um, mm-hmm. It was just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like what we had talked about is that another reason why I feel like we fit really well is because it was Madison's first journey as a surrogate. So it was like a big deal. And mm-hmm. I already had a son. And I remember you saying, Madison, that you felt comfortable that I knew what pregnancy was like because yes. I would have more understanding that, you know, in the beginning mm-hmm. that I wouldn't, I wasn't going to be controlling over what she was eating and mm-hmm. what movement she was doing because I understood that pregnancy is different every time and that I was just happy that she was carrying our child. So I think that that probably, I remember you saying that, Madison, just that like, that added like an aspect of making it even more comfortable since it was your first time. And yeah. I think then just because obviously like I felt like that was kind of unique. A lot of people who go through surrogacy either don't have any children or have never been able to carry their children. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I think that was just kind of different too. Yeah. yeah. I would love to hear about the actual, you know, assisted reproductive technology part piece of this mm-hmm. and like the transfer and all that stuff. Can we get into that a little bit? Alex, starting with you, what was that like on yeah. your end? Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free, and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products, and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better, and the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy-looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily, and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits, like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more, and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf, to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash InfertileAF, code InfertileAF. Thanks, Vegamore. Yeah, so this is something, again, it's so interesting because I think that we know, obviously we were so in it that I forget what people don't know. I know, right? So to start off, you have to have embryos. So we already had frozen embryos. So we were a little bit like a step ahead when we started because we didn't have to go, I didn't have to go through an IVF retrieval to get to the point of having embryos. So when we matched with Madison, I already had them. So then she had to do a lot of like, we 
both had to do like a psychological thing. She had to do a medical evaluation to get approved all before we signed legal contracts and all of that. So there's months of stuff, even when you match before you even get started on the actual like transfer part of it. Mm -hmm. And then our doctor said that all new surrogates have to have the ERA cycle, like the um, mock transfer cycle to see like when to transfer. So she had to do the mock transfer cycle before we even got to get to a transfer. Um, And then it was like, took like, I think Madison will agree. I think it felt like it was taking forever to get there, but we knew that it was going to (laughs) happen. And then we did a transfer in February of 2020. And unfortunately it didn't work. And I think at that point we didn't, I didn't know what to do because I thought if this doesn't work, I don't, then it's just not going to work. But at that point we both agreed, like Madison and I both agreed that we would, we made sure she was okay with it and that we wanted to move forward with one more try. And so, and I think that again, like with surrogacy, it, I think people have this misconception that it's, guaranteed and it's not totally it's still not and so the fact that so then we actually they had done additional testing at that point and found out that my husband was a carrier of something uh called m4 gene i think it was m2 oh my gosh i should know what it's called but it was something where then madison had to take blood thinners and we didn't know that going into the first transfer and who knows if that's what did it But then she was taking blood thinners. And then when she was going to start her second transfer cycle, the pandemic started. (laughs) And then this was where our journey was unique because then my doctor's office called and said that we were canceling it. And I said, that's discrimination. (laughs) And because they said that they wouldn't have canceled it if I was getting pregnant, but just because I needed a surrogate. Amazing. and so then they're like, oh, okay, okay, no, never mind. She can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then, good for you, know, Alex. I I remember pacing back and forth in my alleyway, like, <laughs> you know, yelling at them, like, no, we're yeah. not pausing because no one knew how long it was going to last. And I was like, I'm not putting this on hold anymore. I don't even know, like, what if Madison has to move before? Right. Like, we don't want to start over. We have to do this now. And so, yeah. Anyway, we got lucky and convince them to do it. And Madison was comfortable moving forward. We were comfortable moving forward. Um, yeah. Tell me about that from your point of view, Madison. What was, well, first of all, I'd love to talk about the first time when it was unsuccessful, which I'm sure was really, you know, heartbreaking for both of you. But Madison, I'd love to hear about that first time, you know, the transfer from your point of view. So from my point of view, I went into it thinking this is going to work the first time. I just... I assumed because of technology and because they were putting the embryo right where the embryo needed to be, that it was going to work. Right. And so I did everything the doctor ordered um, and I was really optimistic about it. And when it didn't happen, I think I got really scared. Um, I was really sad, of course, um, but it also showed me that, yeah, nothing is guaranteed. Why were you scared? What made you feel scared? Well, it made me scared because it made me feel like, what if it doesn't work? Like, what if we what if we try again and this doesn't work? And what if I don't get to experience this journey at all? It just, I didn't know much about it. I kind of went into it in a, in a place where I was kind of just learning. And so, yeah, I didn't know. I was like, well, and 
come to find out from a lot of surrogates, a lot of people have multiple transfers over and over and over again and don't work. And some surrogates are connected to a parents for years before mm-hmm. it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was scared because I was ready. And like Alex said, my husband is in the military and we move and, you know, I don't have that much time. So yeah, the time time was ticking. And so I was upset, but then also... It was really sad that it was a loss too. And I got to kind of experience that with Alex and we were both just really sad about it. Like, I don't think we really had to say anything to each other. Like we both just knew that like, it just sucked that it didn't work. So, right. I was just going to say, I think that's something people really don't understand about surrogacy either because I had had a failed transfer and two miscarriages with my own body And when Madison had the failed transfer, I felt the same amount of loss, right? Mm. Because it was still our child that we had imagined that we were going to have. And like Madison said, I also went into it really hopeful and almost naive thinking like, well, I know that it didn't work on my body, but like she's had two healthy kids and it has to work for her. And I think that like those odds and those statistics of IVF working or not working apply to everyone, (laughs) So, and it's like so Madison true. Saying, I actually think that we got lucky that it happened on the second time mm. and that within like a little over a year of connecting, we already, she already had our son. Like most people, it can take so much longer. So yeah, it was definitely, we were both kind of sad. We were very sad and very shocked when the first one didn't work. Yeah. I think it's important just to reiterate that there are no guarantees in this world you know, none. Even if you think you have all the best circumstances lined up, you know, not to sound negative, but just, it's a, it's a fact that, you know, you guys both said you didn't know. I didn't know either, you know, it's, and it's just, I think it's important to know that like so many things have to line up exactly right for this to work out and for there to be a healthy pregnancy, healthy baby at the end of the journey, you know? And, and we had like, we had a, you know, highly rated PGS tested embryo, and Madison had had two successful pregnancies on her mm-hmm. own. Right. So I was like, how could it have not worked? Right. You know? And so then it it's hard because then you go into the second one and we didn't want to put anything on. We wanted Madison to go in with hope still, but also we wanted to go in with hope still. And we just kind of had to pick ourselves back up and be like, you know what? It could totally. still work again. And it was interesting going through it with someone else though, because in the past, we had gone through it, just my husband and I alone. And so then to have like Madison and us all kind of going through it together was really interesting. And we all just, like Madison said, we didn't even really have to say a lot to each other. We just knew that it sucked and that we just decided to move forward and try again and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the the next time that you guys did it, that it was mm-hmm. successful. What Was there anything different that was done? I mean, you mentioned the, the blood thinners. Anything else in terms of the protocol or anything like that or just lifestyle changes? I mean, I don't think that any... I mean, Madison will speak to that because she was on that. And I wasn't allowed to be at that transfer because it was the pandemic at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, she was very nice and had us on like a video and recorded for us. But... I think that because Madison's body had responded completely the way the doctor wanted the first time, besides the blood thinners, I don't think he really wanted to make any changes Mm -hmm. because he felt like he had gotten a good explanation at least, Mm -hmm. but who knows? 
And for me, there wasn't, there wasn't many lifestyle changes. Um, I do know that with the second one, it helped that Alex and her husband were still so positive because I felt like, I feel like it's very important to have, uh, for me at least, um, just to go into it with a positive outlook and to feel positive about it when you're going through it. Because, you know, I feel like it just, it, it helps like positive positivity, I feel like really helps. And for me, just relaxing and, you know, just kind of spoiling myself a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. watching my favorite shows, cuddling up on the couch with my kids, just like little things, but right. we didn't do anything extremely different now. Yeah. I'm curious, Madison too. Did you tell your kids anything about that? Were they like, oh, mom's pregnant again. We're going to have another, you know, sibling. And then, you know, like, did that come up in conversation? How old were they when you were going through this? So my youngest was two and my oldest was five. Okay. And I don't think my youngest really understood. My five-year-old, she she kind of understood, but they they weren't really able to understand the idea. They knew mom is pregnant. Um, they knew... Um, that mom is doing it for another family, but they didn't really understand. I don't think what was going on. It wasn't until my second journey that both of my girls actually understood exactly what was going on. Like I read them the kangaroo pouch and all stuff and they knew. And then they also knew afterwards they, uh, on my second surrogacy journey, they, they met the baby afterwards, um, and got to see the baby. And Uh so, and then see the baby go away with the family and all that stuff. So they were like, oh, that makes sense. But they weren't. And then I think my youngest was a little bit sad because she was like, oh, she was like, I really want another sibling. Oh, um, you know, because she they go through those pregnancies with you. Totally. Uh, your kids are there and, you know, they want to feel the baby kick. They want to be involved with everything. So they go through it just as much as you do. Yeah. I think it's so cool too. I've said this before when I've been talking to surrogates that, you know, I think it's to, to show that example for your children that you're so selfless and you really want to help another family. I think that as a child, what a cool thing to see your mom do, you know? Yeah. Oh, I just made myself cry a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so special, you know, and it's so wonderful. Yeah. And I think when they get a little bit older, I think that they will be more curious about it. I think that they'll ask more questions like, you know, like what made me want to do it or, you know, just like typical questions that they mm-hmm. don't think of now. I'm sure they'll think of them and it'll be a, a cool conversation to have when they get a little older. Right. And I yeah. think I even get to have those conversations on the flip side because when we were going through it, like I had a neighbor who had was like just giving birth to a child and her daughter was like, wait, you're having a baby, but you don't, where is it? You know? And so like with her mom's permission, I kind of tried to explain a little bit, which was very confusing, but (laughs) she said like it it allowed her because I couldn't see Madison. So I couldn't like show anybody what was happening, but right. I do think it enabled like other people to kind of open other their kids eyes to like other people don't have the same experience as us this isn't the only way to have a baby and yeah. my six-year-old actually just recently like I had this conversation with him where he because I talk really openly about it yeah so I say the word surrogacy probably every single day <laughs> and 
And I talk about Madison all the time. And they've met Madison. My oldest remembers Madison mm-hmm. because the other ones are so small. Um, I don't even think you've met Tyler. But like Dylan's seen her a couple of times, but when he was younger, before she moved across the country. But Jackson recently said he was talking about him being in my belly and, you know, Dylan. And I said, well, actually, Dylan was never in my belly. Um, I said, you know, I my body wasn't really working. And so he, I, Madison, who you've met, had to help. And she actually carried him for us. And he was like, oh, you mean like how people sometimes can't have babies even when they really, really want them? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, well, that's so nice that she was able to help us because now we have Dylan and oh you have all of us. And he just was so accepting of it. That's he so was cool. like, that's great. And I thought, God, if everyone could respond like that, that would be yeah. amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I think normalizing it is a big thing. For yeah. Me. The generations with my kids. Yeah. The generations coming behind us are going to have so much more knowledge and so much more acceptance and just yeah. so much more normalization of all of this, you know, from exactly. all the talking that we've all been doing about this. So I love that. So tell me about the day that, that he was born. Yeah. So do you want to get started, Madison? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay. So by the time it was almost nine months, I was definitely ready because, you know, he was getting really, really big and I was uncomfortable and, you know, going through all the pregnancy stuff. But I remember I was just like, I just have to have this baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I asked the doctor, I was like, when is the soonest that we can induce? And he, he just said, Alex's, he said your birthday. Yeah. And I didn't know it was your birthday, but you were like, that's my birthday. And I was like, is that okay? Because like, I really want to have the baby. <laughs> And I was like, I am not having any part of this decision. Like if that's when the doctor thinks that he should be born, then yes, you are having the baby on that day. um, But I just laughed because I was like, there are 365 days in the year and he chose my birthday. That's so cool. Also an amazing gift, like the best birthday gift. Yeah. Yeah. Madison, he had, so she was induced. So, which was actually like so much more. I think it was much calmer for Madison. She knew there was like an end date to when she could have him. Also, it was calmer for us because we weren't rushing to the hospital last minute. We knew like, okay, we come to the hospital on this day at this time. Everybody was able to do it really calmly. Um, Because of the pandemic, we were able to in advance talk to the nurses so that they could allow both Madison's husband, me and my husband to all be there because they weren't at that time allowing a lot of visitors. And we were able to really like organize it a little bit more which made it feel a lot better. And then they allowed me and Madison's husband to sit in the room with her, with your permission, Madison. We made sure you were comfortable with that the whole time, like while she was being induced and going through labor. And then when she was about like, literally probably five minutes away from giving birth, I was like, somebody go get my husband, please. Like you (laughs) kind of (laughs) forgot about him. Like the doctor was running over and I was like, can someone please get Brian? (laughs) Right. So then he came like running in and did not miss it. But yeah, Madison, I remember like the doctor, like she was, you weren't progressing at first because they kept forgetting to up the Pitocin. And I was like, can you please keep an eye? Like she's not getting the care that she needs right now. So then the doctor was frustrated and ended up helping. And then she was at like, you know, whatever, four centimeters. And then her husband's like, oh yeah, when it goes, it goes like, don't worry, this is going to be like 30 more minutes. And we're like, what? And he was not wrong. She like all of a sudden progressed and it was like time to do it. So 
Yeah. But like she, yeah, she was laying there and getting ready to do everything. And me and my husband just kind of like stood off to the side behind her head because we wanted to be respectful because it's so, you know, everything is out there. So we wanted to make sure she was comfortable. So we had talked to you, Madison, and said like, this is where we're going to stand. Are you okay with it? And so, yeah, that's, we kind of got all set up, (laughs) ready for you to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was like, we talked about it before, but when everything happened, it was one of those things where it was the easiest birth that I've ever had. Like even from, from my own children. So I wasn't expecting it, but it was nice because like Alex said, we were all there. It was planned and it just seemed, it was so peaceful in the beginning and what started in the morning and we had time to get acclimated and everything. And then by the time I was induced and everything, everything happened super fast. Um, and the doctor was really good. And it was, it was a really good experience. Like that, that birth was probably my favorite birth that I've ever had. Oh, I'm, well, that's it, so amazing. And it was just really special because we are also had the option or like, it gave us the ability to talk about what would it, what it would look like right after. So we were able to talk about, okay, like they asked us at the hospital, they did a golden hour with the parents before they weighed him or anything. And they said, do you want to immediately leave the room with him or do you want to stay? And we said, well, she just gave birth to him. She carried him the whole time. We want to stay. So we ended up spending the golden hour with Madison and her husband because we just felt like there was no other option. Like that was what we all wanted. That was what felt the best to all of us. Mm-hmm. So that was really special because like, he came out in two pushes. And oh my God. He's he, like, I'm we, here. He came out so aggressively that he got followed by like half of the amniotic fluid and it soaked the doctor like from <laughs> waist down. And he's like, oh my, oh God. my God, now I have to go change. And That's we like, wild. Was like laughing as he came into this world. And then they were able to immediately give him to me for like skin to skin, which meant a lot to me. And then my husband held him. And then Madison held him. And so it was just special that we were able to all have like this bonding hour all together right after. And I think for Madison, like it helped everything kind of calm down. And, you know, like, and then they had us, the hospital was, we purposely chose it because it was like very friendly to surrogacy, but then they had another room ready for us so that Madison could continue to recover. And then we could go be with our family. And I think that moment, Madison, I have talked about a lot was just really special because me and like we had had this hour together and then you know we put them in the little thing they make you push them around and in the hospital like the Mm -hmm. little crib thing Mm -hmm. and then we just like walked out and said bye and said you know we'd keep in touch and she was actually able to like go home that night to her family wow and we had to stay a day for the baby but it was it was so surreal Mm -hmm. to be honest like we went from like this hugely big chaotic, but in a good way moment. And then like all of a sudden we're in this room alone with our son and we're like, oh my God, like it's real. That's actually oh, just happened. And it, then, yeah. it, like, it felt like the perfect ending. Uh, yeah. Like it was just, it was, it was all happy. Like there was yeah. no, there was nothing besides giving you guys a hug goodbye. Like I got a little bit sad because I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe it's over. You know, like, when you're pregnant, you're like, oh, I'm ready for this to be over so bad. But then when it's finally over, you know, and you actually get to see, you know, what what you did, you know, and see the baby with with you guys like it was just I don't know. It was just very special. And then after when I gave you guys hugs goodbye, like I kind of cried a little bit because 
I don't know. It was just like, I just felt so appreciated. Like you guys really made me feel like you appreciated everything. I mean, I think we probably appreciate you more than any other person that is on this planet. No. Like our children. So, I mean, you literally gave us the gift of life. So there is nothing better than that. And I think that it was also like important to us afterwards where we didn't know like how you would be feeling like both physically, emotionally. So we were like checking in a lot, just making sure that you were okay. And I think that, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that after you were done, you said during the journey, you didn't know if you would want to ever do it again. And then when you saw us with him, you realized that you wanted to do it again because it was so special. And that just like, that's so incredible. Yeah, it was like, I I didn't think I was ever going to want to do it again just because, you know, pregnancy can be hard. But then after the delivery, I, (laughs) I immediately asked the doctor, um, when they left, I was just like, so like, could I get pregnant again, possibly? And then my husband was like, are you thinking about doing it again? Like, we haven't even left the hospital yet. <laughs> well, it was just, you literally texted me like the next day and you're like, if you ever want a sibling journey, like, let me know. <laughs> oh my God. It was just very special because I think that, like Madison said, like the journey itself was hard for so many reasons, like for obviously like for Madison physically, emotionally going through all of that. And then for us, like being terrified that it wasn't all going to work out up until the moment he came out. Like, I think those feelings of fear and feeling like something terrible could happen at any moment were still there, even though I wasn't pregnant. Like I was so worried about him, even though I knew he was in the best place possible. I just like, I couldn't actually believe he was real until he came out. And so I think then to end all of this like up and down moments of good and scary and all these things with just joy was just perfect. It was just like, I literally, it was just the perfect, it couldn't have gone better. <laughs> like it was That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I oh like my reliving God, you guys are so cute. <laughs> You're making me cry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, Thank you so much to Alex and to Madison for sharing their story. I love it. It gave me chills. It made me cry. It's just a beautiful thing. So I want to thank them again. And thanks to Alex for reaching out to share that aspect of it. It was very cool. I also want to encourage you guys to check out Fertility Rally. If you're looking for a safe space, we are 500 plus strong members all over the world whatever you're going through, no matter what, you can find somebody to relate to. You can find many people to relate to. Um, It's such a badass community. And I'm just so happy that I was able to co-found it with Blair Nelson of Fab IVF Mama. And we are growing. We're adding more support groups this fall. So check us out on Instagram at Fertility Rally and check us out on our website, which is fertilityrally.com. You are more than welcome to reach out to me if you have any questions about the membership. We have a $99 annual military membership too. So if you have anybody who's going through this and looking for support and people who get it, send them our way to Fertility Rally. It is the worst club with the best members. That's our tagline for a reason. All right. Thanks guys. I'll talk to you next time.